0: Hello, this is uh, Gavin Giovanni. I'm a neurologist based uh, at the East End of London, and I'm talking to you today about a case study, a patient emailed me with worsening con- cognition, and it raises a whole lot of issues around uh, aging and other comorbidities. So this is a 63-year-old uh, person. I assume they are a male. Uh, they didn't say, and I don't want to um, uh, uh, um, um disclose their identity but their email uh, address um, and name it could have been a female or a male so I don't know what the gender of this particular individual is um, I, and the person said they recently had to retire as a journalist because of cognitive impairment and fatigue simply they didn't have the mental energy and cognitive capabilities to perform their job and they also had COVID-19, they didn't say how bad the COVID-19 was in 2021, 20, so that was probably um, in maybe the second, or third wave, uh, and since they had COVID-19, their cognitive function had plummeted. Uh, the EDSS was five using the online calculator. The individual was on fingolimod, and they seemed to have been doing the trick in that they had not had relapses or new MRI activity on fingolimod, so they were continuing on the drug. But they had been told that they had brain atrophy. So in other words, there must have been some end organ damage. Not surprising, this individual is 63 years of age and has had the disease for 27 years, and that's kind of what you'd expect. Um, and they're asking, is there anything I can do about my cognition? And they implied that the neurologist uh, had dismissed the, their concerns and said that this is, what you, this is what happens with MS when you get old. And so they're asking me, you know, my honest opinion, and, and the, the, you know, my response is, how long is a piece of string? You know, this is a an ongoing issue about um, managing older people with MS, particularly people who've had long-standing MS. And so what this particular individual is describing uh, is very, very common. I see it almost, uh, you know, every clinic I do, I've got one or two patients that has this problem. They may not be having relapses. The MRI may be quiescent in terms of new lesions, but they're noticing worsening in some domain. And then this particular domain is cognition. Uh, and this is what, this is kind of what a smoldering MS is, you know, um, um, uh, however, I, I, you shouldn't assume that though. The question is: Does this patient have any subtle evidence of inflammatory activity? Is it just smoldering MS? Is it age-related cognitive impairment? Um, you know, or other other causes? So, so the neeck reaction uh, in most uh, MS clinics is to assume that this cognitive impairment is MS-related, and that nothing can be done about it because we don't have treatments to uh, reverse cognitive impairment in MS. Um, So this is kind of a form of gaslighting in the sense that um, this patient's been dismissed and just said, oh, your cognitive impairment's MS-related, go away. I can't do anything about it. But I think there are things we we can do, and I think we need to step back. And I think the rule number one is don't assume that cognitive impairment's MS-related. And so this particular individual needs to have a full medical and neurological assessment and also be referred to a neuropsychologist and have full neuropsychometry. In other words, have their cognition tested and to find out what domains are involved, uh, and that kind of guides the kind of cognitive rehabilitation this patient can receive. You target it depending on what cognitive impairments they have. I must be honest with you, there, there was a study that came out of Canada many years ago showing that when actual MS, people with MS actually complain about cognitive impairment, they're more likely to be depressed and anxious and have cognitive impairment. So this patient needs to be screened for comorbid Depression and anxiety, and if you treat their depression and anxiety, cognition and fatigue often improves because that's one of the symptoms that goes with being depressed. The next rule is don't assume the cognitive impairment is age-related. You know, um, you know, I I'm aware, and there's lots of research showing you that MS prematurely ages the brain. Uh, you can do MRI aging studies, whatever, and you know that the MS brain is about 10 years older than it is from a biological uh, from a chronological age. Uh, based on MRI metrics. And MS does this by several mechanisms. It firstly reduces the neurological uh, or brain reserve, you know, having fewer neurons, axons, and synapses, which what MS does to the central nervous system reduces biological resilience and therefore brings forward aging mechanisms, okay? In addition, the ongoing smoldering inflammation, this is probably driven by innate immunity, the microglia, the hot microglia that produce uh, inflammatory mediators, probably also drives premature aging. Um, now, unfortunately, we have very little at the moment that we can offer people with this type of smoldering uh, inflammation. And that's why potentially they should be going into, this particular individual should be going into studies. But we, there is something we can do. And uh, you know, we, this particular individual should have a brain health screen and to see if anything can be modified. You know, And I've actually put the image uh, in the newsletter of my holistic management of MS, and I want you to look at all the non-MS brain targets, non-MS targets that can be uh, looked at and improved upon to try and maximize brain health. And the big ones on the list are clearly sleep hygiene, diet, exercise, and obviously comorbidities, including um, infections. And sometimes you have to look closely for infections. could be periodontitis, for example, and other types of infections. So this is something that needs to be proactively screened for uh, in clinic. Um, and in, in addition, this particular individual may need uh, further investigation. So this is why I would have to do a detailed medical history and a clinical examination, and I would almost certainly want to order some screening blood testing to exclude metabolic causes of cognitive decline. Uh, you know, typical examples are an under or overactive thyroid, vitamin B12 deficiency, the presence of diabetes. Sometimes you don't have to have symptoms, but you can still have impaired glucose tolerance. Also, on calcium, and there are lots of other things we can do as well as part of the metabolic screening. I'll make sure this patient's renal, liver, and function tests are all normal. Then the final rule is don't assume because you haven't had a relapse or relapses in your last MRI stable that your MS is inactive. And I know this is very controversial because most people view MS through the lens of an MRI scan, but we know from recent observations that the clinical and MRI monitoring we do is often not sufficient to pick up ongoing inflammation. So we are now beginning to offer patients like this, lumbar punctures, uh, to, to look at a spinal fluid and to measure neurofilament levels. And about one in 10 people like this, we find raised neurofilament levels which in our hands are interpreted as ongoing inflammation. And this often guides DMT switching. And so this particular individual will probably have um, a type of, you know, you know artificial label of having advanced or progressive MS. And they will probably be offered saponimates, switch in our clinic, or we recruit them into the seismic add-on trial. And this is a, a trial of a proteasome inhibitor to try and Penetrate the central nervous system to clear the brain of uh, autoimmune B cells and plasma cells. So we wouldn't just send this particular patient away without um, offering them a trial. The other advantage of doing a lumbar puncture is you can exclude, you know, other causes of cognitive decline. Very rarely, you may find an opportunistic infection or or other other pathologies on the CSF analysis. And this patient's on fingolimod, so you know there may be a small chance they have cryptococcal meningitis, for example. And that's why examining this patient to see if they've got any swell, swollen discs neck stiffness, or any other signs is important. Okay, And you could also do a dementia screen. You, we send our CSF off now for a dementia screen, which picks up the proteins that are uh, raised or lowered in Alzheimer's disease. So you can get an indication from the CSF analysis by doing a uh, dementia screen whether this patient may have comorbid you know, Alzheimer's. Now that's something that's not often considered but you know why shouldn't people with multiple sclerosis be at risk of getting Alzheimer's disease and this hasn't been formally studied but I think it's there's a potential of having two diseases you know MS is relatively common and Alzheimer's disease is even more common so why shouldn't a 63 year old potentially be presenting with cognitive impairment as a result of another disease like Alzheimer's disease and I don't think many of us neurologists consider this in older patients, but I think it's something we should be more proactive at looking for. Now, this particular person had COVID-19 and uh, their cognitive decline apparently accelerated after having COVID-19. And there are several reasons, and I'll give three in this particular assessment, the first may be that they have smouldering uh, COVID-19. So smouldering COVID-19 is a relatively new term. It refers to people who can't clear the virus because they're on immunosuppressive therapy or they're immunocompromised. So although their immune systems are fighting the virus, the virus keeps escaping and they and they keep shedding. And people with smouldering smouldering COVID-19 shed the virus for months and even years. And they really are important because we think they are the primary substrate for. The emergence of new, you know, variants from an evolutionary perspective. So, I'd, I'd be surprised if this patient has smoldering COVID because the level of immunosuppression on fingolimod is not that great. But anyway, I would also, you know, just swab them and their nose and throat to make sure they're not sh- uh, shedding SARS-CoV-2. The second evidence is that. COVID nineteen hits the central nervous system. So we now know that people who have long COVID have documented brain atrophy and cognitive deficits after COVID nineteen. And there has been some pathological studies showing that COVID-19 can affect the central nervous system. So there is a reason um why this patient may have noticed a drop in cognition post-COVID nineteen. You know, the you know the MS brain may be resilient to a degree. And, you know, an infectious hit may be just enough to push them over the edge and, you know, bring out apparent cognitive impairment. And this is not only uh, relevant to um, the the uh, cognition, we see this with physical disability. Some people may be just on the borderline of noticing uh, fixed disability. They have a a major infection, say urinary tract infection. They have a, a dip in their functioning and they never recover to baseline. So this could be the same reason. The infection could have given their central nervous system a hit. Um, the other thing is they they may have long COVID. And as you know, long COVID is associated with chronic fatigue and cognitive impairment. Um, you know, my problem with long COVID, and I'm a little bit uh, maybe on the, on the edge here in saying that How the the condition is defined and the diagnostic criteria are pretty nonspecific. And so a lot of people get labeled as having long COVID may have other causes for their symptoms, not necessarily long COVID. And I'm not saying that the condition doesn't exist. I think there's overwhelming evidence now that COVID-19 and long COVID-19 is a definite entity. All I'm saying is that the diagnostic criteria are quite loose and we don't have a specific test for it. And so people may be labeled as having long COVID when they have other problems. They could be sorted out with different treatments. So that's just my take on long COVID. The third reason may be the impact of the pandemic uh, on brain health. And there's just been a a paper published in one of the Lancet journals just showing you in older people how the pandemic uh, hit cognitive function in general. And the researchers think the pandemic actually reduced exercise, so people were trapped in their houses. There was increased alcohol consumption, and we know that's been documented across the country. And there's also social isolation. And all these factors uh, have impact on, on cognition long term. Um, and I think what it does tell us is that the brain is very susceptible to you know minor insults uh, and that we have to take care of our brain. You know, It's like a garden. You've got to weed it, fertilize it, look after it, maintain it. And, you know, uh, brain health is something that is a proactive process. You can't just assume you're going to keep your brain healthy by just uh, uh, maintaining the status quo. I think you have to work on uh, keeping your brain healthy. In the same way, you work on keeping your body healthy in terms of generalized fitness, and you work on metabolic health by eating well, um, making sure you... uh, keep your diets very healthy and you keep your weight down, et cetera. And I think we have to be more proactive um, about brain health. I say this because I've been writing uh, and talking about MS brain health at MS meetings for over a decade now. We even had our brain health time matches policy document, which embeds brain health as a treatment strategy for MS. And saying this, um, I know a large number of MS services simply don't have the bandwidth or the time to incorporate the, meaning into clinical practice. And the reason for this is not that. It's just that the NHS just doesn't have the resources to fund additional services. Uh, you know, we spend most of our time fighting fires, you know, just looking after the diagnostic pathways, relapses, uh, and the main symptomatic problems. And we just don't have time to practice preventative healthcare. So, uh, but I think we're missing a trick, you know. I think that if we, as a MS community, adopted marginal gains approach to managing MS, our patients would have much better outcomes and better quality of life. Uh, but again, like everything, it needs resources, it needs time uh, and effort uh, to put these in, in place. So I would actually like to know from you, you know, have you had a brain health screening done in your routine, you know, six month your annual follow-ups? Um, and have you had advice on how to optimize your brain health? And similarly, has the concept of prehabilitation been discussed with you? Um, We've kind of gone quiet on prehabilitation, but, you know, during the pandemic, you know, uh, we are pushing this um, a proactive approach to preventing the consequences of severe COVID-19. And I think the lessons from COVID-19 are as applicable today as they were two or three years ago. We really have to optimize uh, your health and resilience so you can manage uh, or, or improve your brain health. So this is actually a very instructive uh, case because um, it's describing what happens to a large number of people with multiple sclerosis, but it's also saying, don't just accept that. There are a lot of reasons um, that have to be looked at uh, uh, to see if there's anything reversible or preventable in this particular individual uh, in terms of their cognition. And there are things we can do for this patient. This patient doesn't have to be sent away and say, live with your cognitive impairment. And, you know, my, over, my overriding message: it needs to be documented. Uh, they need to be sent for cognitive rehab if it's available. They need to make sure there's no comorbidities, particularly depression, anxiety, metabolic t- disorders, ongoing infections, com- med- concomitant medications, etc. And they also need to be um, thought about from the long from the COVID long COVID perspective. Uh, uh, And and finally, you know, this particular individual, which I don't know their social history, they may be socially isolated, they may be lonely, you know, is there anything we can do from the social prescribing perspective? So there's a lot that can be done for this patient. Anyway, if you have any questions, please leave a comment. I'll try and get back to you. And if you think this is valuable to anybody else, you know, please forward the email or share the link with them. And uh, then, uh, then in a slight nudge, if you'd like to uh, become a pain subscriber and you find this valuable, please do. Um, the resources are being used to support the uh, MS Healthy microsite. And it's this kind of newsletter that really does need to get onto the microsite because the uh, lessons or the learnings in this are pretty relevant to everybody who's got multiple sclerosis. I'd also urge you to read that paper um, on cognitive decline in older adults in the UK during and after COVID-19 pandemic. This is a longitudinal analysis and it's a very good paper. And uh, it makes me more determined than ever to say that brain health is a really, really important issue in, in the current era. Thank you.